One of the things that I love about living in this part of Brooklyn is how often I run into people who I know while I'm out and about. You know, in a, in a big city, Bay Ridge, Sunset Park, has a very small town feel to it a lot of times, right? Um, I was, just a few weeks ago, I was walking with a friend along a Shore Road promenade, the, the bike and, and walking path down by the water, and who did I run into? But three ladies from our church, Ronnie, Judy, and Christine. And uh, now I shouldn't have been too surprised by that because I think they pretty much walk that path almost every day, or at least they're out walking almost every day. But there's other times where, where I you know, get on the B9 bus on my way over to church or on my way home and, and end up running into someone that I know on the bus, or I'll be grocery shopping and run into a neighbor, which actually happened just yesterday, ran into our neighbor in the grocery store, um, or I'll be walking our dog Willow at Alice Head Park and bump into someone I know. And sometimes these sort of random coincidence meetings will turn into something deeper, where, where it becomes a chance to connect with someone uh, in an unexpected setting. You know, you weren't expecting to see this person, but, but sort of the, that, that, that connection there can often lead to a, a pretty powerful conversation. Well, in our text today, we're going to be looking at one of those kinds of moments, at, at one of these unexpected kinds of meetings as the risen Jesus encounters two people who are walking along the road from Jerusalem to a village called Emmaus. And my sermon title this morning is On the Way. We're going to look at how Jesus encounters these two individuals on the way and how Jesus wants to do something similar to us in our lives as we go about our day-to-day lives on the way. So our text today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, and I'll be reading verses 13 through 35. So hear God's word to us today. Now that same day, talking about the day when Jesus had had risen that morning, that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are 
and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven, and those with them assembled together, and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are alive, that you are risen, that you are here with us right now, here in our sanctuary, here in the homes of each person who is listening, and that you are coming to us today through your word, through the word that has just been read and the word that you have given me to preach. And so give us ears to hear and, and meet us here this morning, risen Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. As we look at this encounter that, that the risen Jesus has with these two individuals on the road to Emmaus, I want to bring out three different things that this passage teaches us about Jesus' presence with us as we walk through life on the way. And the first thing that we see in this passage is that Jesus is present in our disappointments, even when we can't recognize him. These two individuals that, that we meet at the beginning of our text they are among the broader group of Jesus' followers um, outside of the 12 disciples, or 11, um, after Judas uh, killed himself. And, and we learn that, that one of these men along the way is named Cleopas. We don't, we don't know the name of the other one. But these two you know, disciples are not one of the 12, but they're, 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 they're followers of Jesus. They're walking along from Jerusalem to Emmaus, um, which is a village about seven miles away. And as they're walking... It's very clear from the text that they are filled with disappointment. They're discouraged. And, and, and as they're walking, discouraged, this, this stranger begins to walk along with them. And while we know from the text that it's Jesus, they don't know that it's Jesus. They don't recognize him. They're kept from recognizing him. And, and so Jesus, as he walks along with them, he, he begins to ask them, what are you discussing? What are you talking about here along the way? And verse 17 says, they stood still, their faces downcast. Why are they downcast? Well, because of what had just happened in Jerusalem, where, where they're coming from. And they go on to explain to this stranger 
So don't you, haven't you heard about Jesus of Nazareth? As they're speaking to Jesus of Nazareth right there. And they tell him, you know, he was a, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, and, but he was sentenced to death and crucified. And in verse 21, they say, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You know, these two, along with, with the rest of Jesus' disciples, they, they had believed and hoped that, that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, that, that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. But then he died. And their hopes were dashed. And they could not understand how in the world the one that they had believed, had hoped for, had, had trusted that he was the Messiah, that, that he was gone now. What were they supposed to do now? Maybe you today can relate to these disappointed disciples. You know, this past year has led to a lot of disappointment for people, especially as we've had to deal with the impact of COVID-19. Some of those disappointments have been smaller in scale. I turned 40 last April and had to let go of any hopes of having any sort of birthday party <laughs> because of that. And that's basically been the case for just about every birthday or anniversary or holiday over the past year. And there can be some disappointment, you know, not being able to gather and celebrate the way that we want to. Some you know, students weren't able to have the kind of graduation that they hoped for last spring and still remains to be seen even what graduations are going to look like this spring. But I also know that some of, of you, some of us, have experienced even more significant disappointments and losses this past year. Many of us have lost loved ones, whether due to COVID-19 or, or from other causes. You know, most of you know that, that our own family experienced one of those losses when Rochelle's brother, Ryan, died very suddenly at the beginning of January. And, and we've felt incredibly disoriented in the aftermath as we realize that there are just certain things that we had hoped for that aren't possible anymore. But in the midst of the disappointment of these two disciples, Jesus himself comes alongside of them. And he's present with them. And the same is true for us today. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, which is what we celebrate today on Easter Sunday, Jesus is alive. And he is able to come near to us in our disappointments as well. One of the verses that has been especially meaningful for Rochelle and me over the past few months has been Psalm 34, 18 which says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus is present with us in our disappointments. He is present when we're brokenhearted. He's present when we feel crushed in spirit. But just like those disciples on the road to Emmaus, there are times when 
we don't recognize him right away. You know, although Jesus was, was walking right alongside of them, they didn't know it was him. And often when we experience disappointment in our lives, we can feel like God is absent. That we don't sense his presence with us. And we just, we don't understand what he's doing in the midst of that. We can feel alone. We can feel abandoned. You know, even though he promises that he will never leave us or forsake us, that he is close to the brokenhearted, sometimes we don't recognize him in the midst of it. But Jesus is present in our disappointments, even though we may not always recognize him right away. So how does Jesus reveal himself to these two disciples while they're walking on the way? How does he come to them and, and show him that, that it's him who's walking with them? Well, the next thing that we see in our text is that Jesus reveals his presence through the scriptures as he corrects our vision. After these, these two disciples share with this stranger about what had happened in Jerusalem and why they're so disappointed, they also mention that you know, there were some of their women who had gone to Jesus' tomb and, and didn't find his body there. And, and then these women came and told them that, that they'd seen angels who said that Jesus was alive. But in the text just before this, in Luke 24, we read that the disciples, when the women reported that news to them, the disciples, they didn't believe the women. They thought they were talking nonsense. You know, what, what are you talking about? Jesus is alive. And it's clear that these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, they, they didn't believe the women either because they're still discouraged. They're, they're still downcast. And so as they express this, you know, we, we, our women went there, they said this, but you know, we, we had some people go there and they didn't see anybody, they didn't see anyone there. And then Jesus responds to them in verses 25 to 26, although they, they still don't know it's him at this point, by saying, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And then in verse 27, it goes on to tell us, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So what does Jesus do? He points these two disciples to the scriptures. He points them to God's word. And he uses the scriptures to correct their vision. You see, these two disciples, they weren't seeing clearly. They didn't understand that Jesus really was alive, but they also didn't understand why it was that Jesus had to die. They couldn't understand how that the one that they had thought was the Messiah, how could he have possibly suffered and been crucified and be dead? And Jesus, as he, he brings them to God's word, he, he says, guys, the Messiah had to suffer these things. And he begins to walk them through the scriptures to show them this. In his commentary on this passage, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says this, 
He says, they, like everyone else in Israel, had been reading the Bible through the wrong end of the telescope. They had been seeing it as the long story of how God would redeem Israel from suffering, but it was instead the story of how God would redeem Israel through suffering. Through, in particular, the suffering which would be taken on himself by Israel's representative, the Messiah. When we experience disappointment and loss in our lives, it is often very hard to see things clearly. We can be so overwhelmed with grief or discouragement that that we can easily forget what God promises to us in his word. And so we need Jesus to come to us to reveal himself to us through the scriptures to correct our vision. And often he shows us something very similar to what he showed these disciples, that he often works redemption through suffering. One of the podcasts that I listen to regularly is called The Mockingcast uh, from Mockingbird Ministries. And on this podcast, there's three hosts who who end up um, on each episode kind of talking about different articles in the news and kind of thinking about how these articles actually connect to the gospel, connect to to grace. Well, one of the co-hosts, Sarah Condon, recently lost both of her parents in a car accident just this past December. And in their first episode, about a month after this tragic event, Sarah began to talk about how she had been processing this extreme loss in her life. And it's obvious she was filled with with great grief after such a tragic loss. But she also talked about how God had been present with her and her family through this loss. And even ways that God was giving her gifts through the loss. She talked about how it was making her more thankful for her children. And and less concerned about things that would normally have bothered her before. That she sort of was letting go of some things that she sort of had things in perspective in a different way. And she felt so loved by the community of people around her by some of her parents' friends who had shared stories about her parents that she had never heard before, kind of gave her this this window and insight into her parents in a new way, people sending her notes and checking up on her. And at one point in in this podcast, uh, she she referenced an interview that Stephen Colbert, the host of The Late Show, had done with Anderson Cooper on CNN a couple years ago. And in in that interview, Colbert reflected on his experience of losing his father and two brothers in an airplane crash when he was 11 years old. And Stephen Colbert went from, from having his parents and two brothers at home to suddenly it was just him and his mom. And as he's talking very vulnerably about this experience with this on this interview, he quoted the author J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings trilogy, who said this. He said, what punishments of God 
are not also gifts. And Anderson Cooper in this interview looks at him and Anderson Cooper had also lost his father at a young age and had just lost his mother. And and he looks at Colbert and says, do you really believe that? Colbert is is Catholic and, and he told him, yeah, I do. He talked about how how his deep loss as a young child, although he said it's something that I would never have wished, and yet he said that somehow God used it as a gift in his life. He said, "How how can I receive certain things in life as a gift from God and not others? And one of the ways that he talked about this was that he said that that this loss had created this greater sense of empathy and compassion in him for others who had also suffered losses. And this is exactly what God's word teaches us. In 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 5, the Apostle Paul talks about the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Paul says, for just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, we experience suffering just as Christ did, but so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. Now, both Sarah Condon and Stephen Colbert, they don't minimize the pain and the grief that they have experienced from their losses. They're not saying, oh, it was a good thing that these things happened. But in the midst of their pain and their grief, they've also experienced God's presence with them. And their eyes have been opened to what the scriptures teach about God somehow miraculously working for good even through suffering and loss. And that is exactly what Jesus was teaching those two disciples on the road to Emmaus as well, that God was actually working for good through Jesus' suffering and death. In fact, that it had to happen that way. And so Jesus... He reveals his presence to us through the scriptures as he corrects our vision, as he broadens our vision to see things more clearly. But there's one other way that Jesus reveals his presence to these two disciples. And it is this that finally opens their eyes to recognize that it has been Jesus walking with them the whole time on the way. And that is that Jesus reveals his presence through the breaking of bread, where he is the host. They finally arrive at the village of Emmaus, and these two stranger, the, the two disciples, they invite this, this stranger to stay with them. And so they sit down for dinner. But although this, this stranger we know is Jesus, he is their guest, he begins to act like the host of the dinner. In verses 30 to 31, it says, when he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. 
And then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And later on, when they returned to Jerusalem, out of excitement, they have to tell the rest of the disciples about this. They go to the other disciples, and verse 35 says, Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Now, what was it about the breaking of the bread that finally opened their eyes to recognize that it was Jesus? Well, if you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus spends a lot of time eating, eating with his disciples and eating with, with other people. You know, in, just in Luke's Gospel, we, we, we find that he, that he ends up eating in the homes of some tax collectors, Levi or Matthew and Zacchaeus, and he eats in the home of a Pharisee, and then he feeds this crowd of 5,000 people by doing exactly what he does here. In fact, the wording is exactly the same in the feeding of the 5,000 and what Luke writes here in Emmaus. He takes there the five loaves of bread and two fish. He gives thanks. He breaks them. And he gives it to the disciples to pass out to the crowd. Were these two disciples there when Jesus fed the 5,000? Maybe. But even if they weren't, they certainly had shared some meals with Jesus. And there must have been something about Jesus stepping into the role of the host at that table as he breaks the bread and he gives it to them and they finally know that as hard as it was to believe that Jesus was actually risen from the dead, that they know in that moment, it's him. Now, although Cleopas and his friend weren't at Jesus' last supper with the 12 disciples, as we read this passage, it's also hard not to hear the connection to that meal as well. Because there, as Luke records the last supper, he again says, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. And there he said, this is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. For us today, the Lord's Supper, which we shared last Sunday, it is certainly an event where Jesus reveals his presence to us. In fact, he even promises to be present with us in a unique way as we eat the bread and drink from the cup. And although I may be the one that sort of presides over the Lord's table as your pastor when we take communion, it's really Jesus who's the host of that meal as he gives us his body and blood in, with, and under the elements that we consume. But Jesus also can reveal himself to us in other moments of breaking bread where he's the host. He certainly does it in the Lord's Supper. But, you know, I've certainly also experienced Jesus' presence in moments when I have been sharing a literal meal with someone, with a fellow believer. A few weeks ago, I had breakfast with a friend, and we actually got to eat in person at a diner. It was amazing. <laughs> 
oh boy, I just woke up my son. <laughs> Sorry, Christopher. But he shared with me as we were eating together about how he had been dealing with the death of his mother. who had passed away earlier this fall. And, and I shared about how I'd been processing the death of my brother-in-law. And as we both shared about our losses, we also were reflecting on how each of us had what we'd been learning in that season. how God had been coming to us in the midst of that. And it was so clear to me in the midst of that meal that Jesus was there with us. That he was sitting there in the booth with us. He was the host. He was inviting the two of us into that sacred moment. Brothers and sisters, the risen and living Jesus he wants to meet us on the way in our lives. He wants to meet us in our disappointments, both the big ones, but also even in the small ones. And he wants to meet us in the scriptures. He wants to, to, to reveal himself to us through his word and to help correct our vision and, and help us see things more clearly. And he wants to meet with us as we break bread together as we do that in the Lord's Supper, but also even as we just share everyday meals with one another, as we share life together. And in all of these things, there's one thing that Jesus wants to communicate to us. It's the same thing he wanted to communicate to those two disciples on the road to Emmaus as he sat down to dinner with them, and it's this, that he loves us and that he died for us, and that he rose again to give us life and hope and even joy. And so this week, I want to invite you, be on the lookout for the risen Jesus. Where does he want to meet you on the way? He might do it when you least Expect it. We might do it in his word. He might do it as you break bread together. And he might even do it as you're walking around in the grocery store. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are alive and that you want to meet us, even in our disappointments, even in our losses, even in our grief. That just as you met those two disciples on the road to Emmaus, and you came near to them, and you pointed them to your word, and you broke bread with them, that Jesus, you want to do that with us. And Lord, we confess that there are times where when and we are trapped in the midst of grief and disappointment that, that maybe we don't even want to be with you because we feel so broken and we feel that, that you're not there. You've abandoned us. 
when you never have, you're with us, even when we don't recognize that you're there. Forgive us, Lord, for the times where, where we don't want to go to your word or where we don't want to break bread with fellow believers or we don't want to go to your table. Forgive us for the times where we run away from you. But we thank you, Jesus, that you don't run away from us. That you come to us, you stay with us, and you speak your word to us, and you invite us to receive from you your body and your blood, the forgiveness that you've won for us on the cross, and you want us ultimately to receive just you, yourself, for you are enough. You are alive, you are risen. Come and meet us, Lord Jesus. Walk with us on the way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.